0: Hello, everybody. This is Omar Serrato with the Tilted Lawyer podcast for episode 32. And it's a little different episode this afternoon. We're going to be talking about the Gwyneth Paltrow trial of sorts. And, uh, well, let's just get started. What's up, everybody? I'm Omar Serrato, experienced and practicing attorney, fierce litigator, and unofficial commentator on the most popular legal issues of the day. I'm the host of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, joined by Ileana Colon Rosa and the TLP crew. Welcome, everybody. This is Omar Serrato with the Tilted Lawyer Podcast. I am joining you here on Friday afternoon over here on March 30th. We're going to talk a little bit about the Gwyneth Paltrow case. It's a little different show than I normally do, uh, but we're going to make it through anyway. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? I'm Omar Serrato, experienced and practicing attorney, fierce litigator, and unofficial commentator on the most popular legal issues of the day. I'm the host of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, joined by Ileana Colon Rosa and the TLP crew, where we break down the human aspects of law that everybody wants to talk about. I've been a practicing attorney for many years, but nothing in this show is or should be taken as legal advice. We're not going to pull any punches. We might even get a little bit dirty, but we want you to join us anyway. Well, that was nice. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a, uh, well, it's been one hell of a week. Normally, when I um, prep for this podcast, I have researched uh, inside and out of uh, some special topic that has drawn the uh, fascination of the general public, and my intent this week was to do exactly that, was to, um, well, actually didn't want to talk anything about Gwyneth Paltrow, to be honest with you. It was, uh, of all of the trials that were going on out there, um, you know, there, there was the ice cream killer trial. There was the obsessed boyfriend murderer trial. Um, there was a number of other things going on there. Well, there's a, a, a tremendous amount of other things more important than any of those things. But at the very bottom of that list was the Gwyneth Paltrow ski accident case that concluded, um, I believe it was on Wednesday, uh, where she um, won her trial. They had been litigating that case since about 2016. You're talking about seven years of civil litigation. I don't know the particulars. And again, this show is not researched. I'm doing essentially one of those um, lawyer reacts to uh, whatever uh, episodes uh, because I haven't seen, I haven't watched, I didn't watch a single day of trial. I've seen bits and pieces here, but the bits and pieces that I saw of this trial um, was, well, the attorneys in this case were fascinating, not in that they were these compelling, super effective lawyers, but it was like, what are they doing? There is a one... Um, incident where Gwyneth Paltrow literally had her staff of uh, people um, try to bring treats to the bailiffs and to the officials there in the courtroom. And there, there, there was a request made on the record to the judge about whether or not he could do that. And, of course, opposing counsel uh, objected because that's sort of uh, not above board, sir. That would give off the appearance of impropriety and which uh, would not be proper in a courtroom trying to maintain a standard of decorum, uh, but that's what happened. Um, and it just got me thinking about how different these celebrities' lifestyles are uh, from the, the rest of uh, the working folks out there. Um, so this was a case involving a ski crash that no doubt happened. And um, the plaintiff in the case was suing for damages uh, for his uh, loss of um, peace, his loss of, uh, well, his, his medical damages. He had complained that he had some uh, brain injuries and his, his behavior and his personality had changed since the accident, his pain and suffering and all of that nonsense. Now, in full disclosure, I am not really a plaintiff's attorney by choice. That's not to say that I don't represent plaintiffs, because I certainly do. There are causes, a matter of fact, um, as of right now, that, I'm, that I am representing from the plaintiff's side that I fully believe in that are less about personal injury than they are about affecting civic change. And I'm not going to talk about those cases, as they're still pending, obviously, on this podcast. Um, but this is the kind of case that I usually defend against. And it's exactly the kind of plaintiff that I'm usually defending against. Uh, The plaintiff in this case, and we're going to get to him. Um, But, you know, he's chasing damages in the case. There was one point during the trial in some of the highlights that I saw where he said, you know, this was not about my fame and celebrity. And this was, it had nothing to do with the fact that the person that ran into me was Gwyneth Paltrow. It was... um, you know, whatever, some noble cause that he wanted to cite. Um, The the testimony was generally hilarious uh, that I saw. And again, I'm not as well-versed as I was, like, for example, in the Murdoch case when I was trying, um, when I was covering that, or the Daryl Brooks case, or uh, some of the other cases that I've done. um, I'm generally just uh, perusing the internet and seeing clips of the stuff, same as most of you. Um, But Gwyneth Paltrow has taken a lot of heat for how she came off in the trial. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, she countersued for $1, sir. Um, literally nominal damages. There is an option that you can have as a plaintiff where if you just want to get your case heard or you want to have a cause of action, um, you can sue generally for $1 in the way that you get that into a, uh, Unlimited civil court because you have to have generally damages over $25,000 is like, well, punitive damages could exceed um, $25,000, but we're requesting nominal damages in uh, the amount of $1. And, you know, that's all it takes to get her case in. And for Gwen Paltrow, this case was largely, I guess, for the principle of it all. Um, she spoke something of that. There was a clip that I haven't watched yet, but it was this testimony Uh, That Law and Crime Network purports uh, to have been Gwyneth Paltrow briefly describing the ski crash as if it was a sexual assault, which piqued my interest. I'm I'm literally going to listen to uh, that clip for the first time um, in a couple of minutes. Uh, But people have been down on Gwyneth because I think of the way that she comes off. I mean, she's a celebrity. I don't know anything about Gwyneth Paltrow. I've never met her in person. If I saw her walking on the street, I would probably recognize her as, oh, that's the girl that got beheaded in that one movie, Seven, with Brad Pitt, the what's in the box, that movie. Um, And she played that one lady in the one with uh, Jack Black where she was wearing the the suit where she was this large lady. And she was, well, she was a fat lady. I forgot, what was it called? I I forgot what that movie was called. I literally, I don't think I've ever seen her in any other movies other than that, but I know that she's a famous actress, as do all of you. She's been uh, around for a long time, 25. When did Seven come out? They came out like in 94, 95 maybe. So you're talking about 28 years in the public spotlight as a first-class A-lister, A++ lister, -lister, um, celebrity, Hollywood celebrity, actress- And um, here she is uh, litigating in uh, civil court the merits of who was at fault in a ski accident. And uh, she says that he ran into her. He says that she ran into him. There was digital animations that they used to describe the incident. But ultimately... (sighs) I got to tell you, I listened to one of the jurors' explanations of why she believed Gwyneth Paltrow over this guy. I think part of it was because the way the guy came off at trial was, you've been chasing Gwyneth Paltrow around for seven years, chasing essentially the bag, chasing his. Well, he was suing for like three million dollars or something like that. Um, initially he sued back in 2016. That initial lawsuit got thrown out. My understanding is that he rebrought this lawsuit, looking for three hundred thousand dollars, and so that's what he was. Well, that's what he was looking for, and um, he just didn't come off very well. He wasn't very credible. Um, I think that some of the cross ex- the cross examination exchanges between Paltrow's lawyer and uh, this guy, um, he just didn't do himself any favors. He wasn't very trustworthy. Um, his attorney didn't come off very well either. In terms of civil attorneys, she was, I don't want to say that she's a bad attorney. I don't even want to say that she's not an effective attorney, but from what I saw, and again, I didn't watch the entire trial, so it's not really fair for me to try to characterize her performance. Just what I saw is a lady that was uh, perhaps chasing a contingency herself I don't know. I don't know how much money uh, this plaintiff came out of pocket uh, for this case. And typically in these civil cases, the reason why you get these ridiculous lawsuits is because plaintiff's attorneys will take on these cases on a contingency basis, meaning they're going to take a third of whatever they win for their client. So they win $100,000. She would take home $33,000. Um, and sometimes it, it's it's more or less, but it's usually around 33%. Usually when cases go to trial, attorneys bump that percentage up to 40%. So I don't know. Um, And they put it in all of this time and energy into litigating a case. And again, this case has been litigated for seven years. I don't even know if this attorney was uh, by herself uh, the only uh, attorney that's worked on the case or if he had some prior counsel. I didn't do any of the research, and frankly, I don't care. Uh, But the way that she came off was... um, I don't know. She just didn't seem all that experienced, and maybe she is. She just didn't have the charisma. Now, neither attorney was really what I would classify as a master of charisma. The way that, say, I don't know, Hart Putley and uh, Johnny Cochran, uh, who was that lady that had represented um, Casey Anthony, uh, that guy, um, knew how to present in trial. There's, I mean, I'm sure there's hundreds of examples that you all could think of um, off the top of your head about people that you gravitated towards when they were presenting their case, when they were representing their clients. Um, neither one of these attorneys would be one of those. Um, the, <laughs> I'll tell you what, um, the reasons why this case caught attention I don't think had anything to do with Gwyneth Paltrow. It was entertaining because it was Paltrow, but I think that the... Attorney's antics kind of revved it up. But let's listen to, um, why don't we take a listen into Gwyneth Paltrow trying to describe, you'll get a feel for what I'm, and maybe you guys let me know in the comments what you thought about uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's attorney. This is a direct examination. No, this is, this is a cross-examination. This is the plaintiff attorney cross-examining Gwyneth Paltrow as she is describing how she perceived the assault on the ski slopes um, that fateful day. Uh, but let's take a listen to that if I can. Let's do it.
1: During ski, when you were struck in the back,
2: so that's uh, asked
1: to... isn't it true? Isn't it true? I'm just a country lawyer here. Okay. Isn't it true that your kids wanted to watch you ski? or pardon me, that the, the kids wanted you to watch them ski. Isn't that true? And your, your counsel, he objected. How did you answer that question?
2: But let's read the objection, Your Honor, if we're going to do this.
1: The objection was vague as to time.
2: Is, is the, uh, do you want me to rule on the objection? Mean, what, if we're going to read it, then we should read the objection. Okay, read it.
1: Yes, the, the objection said vague as to time.
3: Yes. Yes, and then how did you respond? I said I can still watch my children ski and be skied directly into my back by someone.
1: And then you continued.
3: Which is what happened.
1: Exactly. So you were watching your children when you allege that you were sti- skied directly into your back by someone.
3: My daughter was down the hill. My son was to my left. So I was skiing and my eyes were not fixated only on my son okay. when Mr. Sanderson skied directly into my back.
1: Okay. And so when Miss Oaks, who's going to testify next week, said that your son Moses was saying, Mommy, Mommy, watch me. That's who you were watching, right?
2: That's to time, Your Honor. Overruled. Right.
1: Right. Be,
2: right yes. Overruled. Go ahead. Thank you. Sorry.
0: What? Just right off the bat, this uh, this attorney needs to slow down a little bit. She's getting a little bit too excited, and um, she's talking over the judge. She's talking over objections. She's talking over the witness. Um, that's not really the way to win over a jury. She just needs to slow down, take a deep breath. I mean, she's got she's she seems like she's she seems like she's over prepared. And sometimes when you're over prepared, this is what you have: all of this stuff. You have this whole map of where you're trying to go with your case and um, she's trying to get through it and you know it's like John Wooden always said be quick but don't hurry which is to say take a breath slow down go through your paces you know and sometimes when i used to teach uh, trial advocacy uh, plah, when i used to teach trial advocacy class um, i would tell uh, my students i want you to speak slower than you feel comfortable speaking. I promise you, you're going to feel really uncomfortable talking that way, but to everybody else, you're going to sound fine because your brain is speeding you up. Your anxiety is speeding you up. You just need to slow down. It does a couple of things. It allows you to, number one, catch your breath. It allows your brain to catch up or slow itself down so that you're over here, and what's coming out of your mouth is right here. It allows it to become congruence. And um, that's a, that's just for, for starters. But let, let's, let, let's
1: continue. When you were struck in the back.
2: So that's I, asked and answered, Your Honor. Overruled?
3: I was skiing and looking downhill, as you do, and I was skied directly into by Mr. Sanderson.
1: Okay. And your 9-year-old son, you will admit, was on your left and up bit
3: to my recollection okay
1: all right and carrie oaks is the one who says that he was the one calling your attention you'll have to speak
3: to miss oaks
1: we will all right so i want to go through the accident a bit um because we did this over video Mm -hmm. we didn't really get to act it out a whole heck of a lot but I, I want to just kind of talk with you first, um, and and see if this is your recollection of of how it happened.
2: Your Honor, I I think this is improper. She should just ask her what happened.
0: I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Okay, she just gives this whole soliloquy. The way you the way you uh, ask that question is, uh, do you recall saying? Blah 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 blah. You know, um, now this lawyer is going to object because you know improper uh, recollection or whatever he's going to say. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, what was the point of this whole uh, lead up to it? You know, um, just ask the what are you trying to get her to recall? Then, if she testified contrary to that earlier,
2: then she uh, cross-examines her with the deposition. And what's the objection? Uh, improper use of deposition testimony. It's a
4: party under rule 32. It can be used for any purpose.
0: Okay. Yeah, so what he's trying to object to is basically you usually don't get to refresh the recollection of a witness um, unless they genuinely can't remember something. And she wasn't stating that she can't recall anything. But this was deposition testimony, which could be used for any purpose. And so it was an improper objection. That was the what the judge was saying right there. Proceed.
3: Thank
1: you you were going along relatively slowly, is that fair? Yes. Okay. I'm just going to kind of ask you a couple questions. So, let me know if anything I say is is not accurate. Okay. Okay. So, um, you're going down relatively slowly when all of a sudden you heard a strange rustling noise behind you.
3: Yes. Okay.
1: And you felt like a rush of air in a strange way. Yes and two skis slid in between my skis.
3: That's correct.
1: And all of a sudden, there was a body from the whole front of a body pressing into my back. That's right. Okay. Like, we'll talk about this in a minute. And there was a man behind me pressing into me. How did you know it was a man?
3: Because he was making some strange noises that sounded male. And he was large, so I assumed it was a male. Okay, (laughs) he was large? I felt all my back pressing. Okay. Um,
1: All right, there was a man pressing behind me, pressing into me. Mm -hmm. I was extremely upset.
3: Well, I was confused at first, and I didn't know exactly what was happening. It's a very strange thing to happen on the ski slope. Um, I, I, I agree. I, and I froze, and it, I would say I was, got very upset a couple seconds later.
1: Okay. Let me just continue on here.
0: All right. I have so much to say. Now, just in critique of the cross-examination that's going on with this case, it's difficult to cross-examine. The proper way that you cross-examine somebody is by, I mean, you, you have to have control of your witness. The the whole point of a cross-examination is you, as the attorney, are taking control and telling the narrative with your questions. And so you ask leading questions that garner yes or no responses. You don't allow the witness to go on these narrative and explain their yes or no. You have to establish that right away. But, And I can't critique this lady too much because she... It's hard. It is difficult to try a case, let alone cross-examining Gwyneth Paltrow, whom you've probably known all of your life, um, in the background of your life, through the movies that you watched, um, with the judge sitting there and opposing counsel and all of this other stuff is going on in the trial. Um, I could see that her voice is kind of quivery. Uh, she's got some, she has got She has. a lot of tenseness in her voice. She's not relaxed at all. She, honestly, she could use... Um, a double whiskey, uh, neat, uh, before she walks into court just to calm her down. Uh, she's kind of all over the place. But <clears throat> the way that she is cross examining is just not very effective. She's allowing Gwyneth to tell her story the way that she wants to get it out. Where she's trying to go with this is her client, it came out, was like, I think it's like five foot six or something like that. He's not a large man, he's a, a smallish guy and Gwyneth Paltrow had described in in what she had just read, a large male presence in the back, you know, um, and she thought she just made a big point, but Gwyneth Paltrow said, well, yeah, because I felt my entire back was filled up with some guy that was making male sounds, and whether or not he was large or not, your initial perception of that, at least from, from a juror's perspective, I mean, it makes sense. So she's trying to invalidate Gwyneth's Gwyneth's how do you even say her name Gwyneth's um, perspective but at the same time allowing Gwyneth to clean it up on her own there's not even really a whole lot of redirect that needs to be done here um, and for those reasons this cross-examination without having watched at all any of the trial or hearing most of the jurors explanation as to why uh, they believe Gwyneth I can guarantee you um, that this is just you know This is just ineffective.
2: Your Honor, I I think this is improper. She should just ask her what happened, then if she testified contrary to that earlier, then she uh, cross-examines her with the deposition. Yeah,
0: same objection as before.
2: Uh, Improper use of
4: deposition testimony. It's a party under Rule 32. It can be used for any purpose. You may proceed.
1: Thank you.
0: Paltrow's attorney learned nothing. From the you previous going objection along
1: relatively slowly is that fair yes okay i'm just going to kind of ask you a couple sure. questions so let me know if anything i say is is not asked. god
0: the, the, the proper way to ask okay so you were on the ski slop you were on the ski slope correct yes and you were going slowly correct and then this happened yes and then that happened yes and then that's how, you, that's how you do a cross-examination. She gave a whole 45-second description before she even gets over. It's wasting time, and it's ineffective. And so she's losing a lot of points. Even though Paltrow's uh, attorney's objections are ineffective, I mean, she's kind of blown it on her own, honestly. Um, and again, I'm not here to grade, even though it's kind of what I'm doing, grading the attorneys. But this, uh, this cross-examination sucks. It's all I'm going to say.
1: Accurate. Okay. So um, you're going down relatively slowly when all of a sudden you heard a strange rustling noise behind you? Yes. Okay. And you felt like a rush of air in a strange way? Yes. Okay. And two skis slid in between my skis?
3: That's correct.
1: And all of a sudden there was a body from the whole front of a body pressing into my back? That's right. Like, we'll talk about this in a minute. And there was a man behind me pressing into me. How did you know it was a man?
0: The sounds. Because
3: he was making some strange noises that sounded male, and he was large. So I assumed it was a male. Okay, he was large? I felt all my back pressing.
1: Okay. Um, All right, there was a man pressing Behind me, pressing into me, mm-hmm. I was extremely upset.
3: Well, I was confused at first, and I didn't know what, exactly what was happening. It's a very strange thing to happen on a ski slope. Um, and I, then I, I agree.
0: I- Sometimes it happens when you're on, when you're cross-examining your witness. Wants to keep on giving soliloquies. It's okay to say, "Listen, I know that you want to explain all your answers. I'm not here to do any of that with you." Your attorney is going to be able to do that on redirect. I want to get this through this very quickly, so I'm just going to ask you yes or no questions, if that's okay. Sometimes you got to object like that, or sometimes, and sometimes you could get the witness to start cooperating with you that way. Look, you're going to have difficult witnesses, and Gwyneth Paltrow. I, I could only imagine uh, this lady is very. I don't want to say she's intimidated, but she is feeling the pressure. Um, look, this was a nationally televised trial. I mean, I didn't watch it, but a lot of people watched it, and she was very aware um, of, uh, of, of that fact, and she just she's nervous. I bet you, I would be willing to bet that this attorney is a lot better in her other cases than this performance that's being on TV right now. Um, I, I can't even really blame her for what's happening on the stand, but at some point, she's got to get c- control of Paltrow in a way that is not off-putting to the jury, and she needs to do it fast, Because right now, Gwyneth, and I didn't watch this trial, but Gwyneth is winning this cross-examination. All right, so that was Paltrow's version of events. Um, More or less, I guess. Um, Yeah, the cross-examination of uh, her was just not very good. Not very good. I can't imagine they scored many points uh, with that. All she got out was, this is what happened. And uh, they didn't really catch her. I mean, I didn't watch the whole trial, but obviously the jury believed Gwyneth over the other guy. Let's, let's take a listen, uh, to, uh, the plaintiff's version of events. And, um, cause he was a character. He has been getting, uh, he talks about a blood curdling, uh, scream. He talked about, I can't ski anymore. He talks about, um, his relationships and his hardships, um, since he's been chasing for 7 years this uh this uh litigation bag of money that he's that he didn't end up getting uh, let's let's hear from him
1: Terry did you want
0: to uh, we don't go over that at the time
5: but debbie just said case i didn't want to be here because i wanted them to speak totally freely and without the discomfort of being in my presence if they had something to say
1: is that why you weren't here
5: absolutely yes
1: we're going to cut to the chase on a lot of things because i made council a promise that i would have you in less than an hour and so we i'm going to be true to my word here um, it's 10 o'clock i will have we'll, we'll be done before 11. okay i want to talk about skiing
0: Tell the jury about your ski. Experience. Okay, so you're the audience. Um, I'm 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 really curious. Where we're red, We're 51 seconds in. I'm really curious. Okay, when you have when you see an attorney do something like that, she's clearly clearly rehearsed uh, this direct examination over and over again over again, probably in front of her mirror, probably in her office, uh, probably I, I don't know, but she just she just uh, performed her rehearsal. For the jury, hey, it's only 10 o'clock, but I promised you we're only going to be going for an hour. I'm going to have you out here by 11. Uh, Just stick with me, okay? I mean, when you see something like that, if you were on the jury, what would you think of that attorney? What would you think about his case? I don't know. When I see attorneys do stuff like that, it just makes me want to gag. But I'm trying not to be too harsh with this lady. Again, with this lady, though, this is her client, and this is the guy. This is the guy that's suing uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, let's continue. Okay.
1: And in all of your years, other than the ski collision. Uh,
5: we don't go over that at the time, but Debbie just so. Uh,
1: Skied with the ski patrol.
5: As a matter of fact, I had the good fortune. I learned to ski from a family that owned a ski resort. They were, they were relation. And they would come out to Snowbird and they were, I think, it was a whole family run operation with eight children and so they they were ski patrollers and they were instructors and I had the very best of company every winter for a week when the kids were out of school. And then I had the good fortune of having a Lions Club friend, Scott, who's still a dear friend that lives up in Spokane and he was a ski patroller for Targhee and he said, Terry, come up with me, you know, on this weekend. And, and I said I'll slow you down. And he said, "You know what? Uh, just follow me and do what I do." And that's what I did.
1: Very things. I, I asked.
5: I asked Kurt to take that over. Because, uh, we don't go.
1: Okay. Very things. I,
5: I... And um, I knew him only as being an amazing skier, strong, strong skier, and and knew that. And I appreciated the fact he tended to like to follow the group and uh, be behind as the protector because he brought a lady that was a person I knew that was his neighbor. So he would bring her up and ski behind her as a protector. So good guy, good guy.
3: Did
1: you guys hang out a lot before you this know, collision? You um,
5: know, of course at lunch we spent time together and there may be an, a couple of other occasions where we met with him but usually there was somebody else there um, along with us. Okay. So not exclu- I don't remember being exclusive with him.
6: All right.
1: So Terry. Take the jury through what happened in this ski collision. Please. Take it from, say, getting off of the lift.
5: Yes, happy to do that. Um, it was really a very nice day for skiing, and I was really looking forward to it. And of course, Curio has amazing groomed runs. Found that out right away. And um, so um, I'm starting from the one to get off.
1: when
5: you got off of the ski lift? Gotcha. So I was on a chair with um, probably four people, I think, uh, Joanne, Debbie, uh, Craig, and there could have been another person besides myself. And we had already met and discussed going down the right side of that run, or going down the sides. And so I came over the top of the hill and saw that and headed for the right side, and I'll pick it up there. And everyone just kind of dispersed. more to the right, and more to the left, and I remember looking and seeing no one. And they generally beginner runs. People are f- afraid of the off piste, of the off groomers, and so they stay away from that area where the pile, the snow is piled up. And uh, off piste can be a rough ride. If you have to divert and run out in there, some skiers can't make it through there easy. It's a lot of bumps. So. I start. I went right down the run and started just making nice, soft turns and um, staying within that boundary. It could have been as much as five yards wide, but it might have been more like five or six feet. I don't can, can't imagine and can't remember. Lots of room. And so I'm just skiing easy and paying attention. And um, all of a sudden, in front of me is two big signs. I've never seen that big. Of slow down signs, it seemed like they were four by eight, like a four by eight sheet of plywood size high, with great big letters. Slow down. I went whoa, and I'm looking around, and the crowd's about the same as me and speed wise. And so so I just pay
1: attention to the sign.
5: I did, and I backed off whatever I was doing, and then another big sign, like ten feet away, the same eight by four by eight sheet up there, big letters. Well, there serious must be lots of merging trails down here so um, I just backed off and again the skiers were on my left we're all about the same speed and um, um, I could see down where the edge of the run went it curved around a tree line came out a little bit and it little run came turned curled around and I could see about half of the I don't know if it's a montage or the empire I could, about half of that beautiful building. And and um, it was wide open. There was nothing, nothing in front of me. And so um, I came around that corner and it was, it takes my breath away to think I, this is hard because I, I don't like going through this.
0: Okay. There's this thing in law, in law, in trial advocacy that we call primacy and recency. Now this uh, plaintiff is, he seems like a pleasant guy, but he is boring AF. He is putting me to sleep and I can only imagine he's putting the jury to sleep. Get to the point, sir. What happened? You were on a ski slopes and you were going about your business. And then all of a sudden there was a crash and then tumble and injuries and blood and whatever happened and then describe, and then you could go into the context of, in the middle, but you start with, when I say premise and recency, what I mean by that is juries, people, the way that we hear, the way that we process information, the way that we process stories and narratives, we always remember the first thing that we hear and the last thing we hear. So the first thing that this guy should have been talking about was the crash itself. That's why we're here. That's what you've been chasing since 2016. Why are you telling me about the weather and you had a nice conversation with the security guard and whatever he was going on about? Tell me about the crash. Otherwise, what's the point? He's going to talk about the crash in the middle somewhere. And at the end, I don't know. He's is going to be cross-examined. And so that's what jurors are going to, going to remember. Um, redirect. I don't know, but the cross was totally ineffective. What I'm watching of this direct is completely ineffective. Um, Good trial lawyers uh, practice the role of promising recency. And uh, clearly, this man's lawyers, um, is, uh, and, and again, I don't want to speak out of bounds to say that they uh, are doing anything wrong because, look, they're doing the job that they were paid to do. I'm just saying that there is a better way to do it, and uh, this guy is losing the jury. She,
5: I... I just remember everything was great and then I heard something I've never heard at a ski resort and that was a blood-curdling scream. Just, I can't do it. It was, and then boom. And it was like somebody was out of control and gonna hit a tree and was gonna die. And that's what I had. Until I was hit. That's,
1: that's what was going on in your mind.
5: Over,
4: overruled?
1: That's what's going on in, in your mind when you hear that scream.
5: At, that was instantaneous. Oh my gosh. Somebody's out of control. And they're really seriously out of control. Not time for a hockey stop. I didn't go think about that, but most people could avoid that, I think. Good skiers. Okay. And, uh, and I'll move
1: on. Okay. So you.
4: All right. I overruled. Overruled.
1: Thank you. So you hear this scream. Yes. What happens next?
5: You know, I got hit in my back so hard, and it—I am right at my shoulder blades, and it felt like—and was perfectly centered. And the, the fists and the poles were right there at the bottom of my shoulder blades. Serious, serious smack. Never been hit that hard, and I'm flying. I'm absolutely flying.
1: Now you're
5: not airborne. Well, it all I saw was a whole lot of snow, and I didn't see the sky. But I was flying, in that sense. I had no. Con-
0: I can see why he didn't have any credibility with the jury. Typically, when people are recalling events, I'm a big fan of the Behavioral Panel um, on on YouTube. They have a they have their own uh, channel, um, and they talk about. Oftentimes when people are recalling events that uh, they don't go off on this big, you know, rehearsed performance. Like this guy is performing a rendition of events that he's been telling for seven years. He's perfected it. And that's why he's going in a storyteller mode. Like he's sitting in front of the fireplace telling his grandkids a bedtime story. That's the impression that he's given off as opposed to recalling uh, this time where he hears a blood curdling scream. And the next thing he knows, he's, you know, um, from whatever part of the brain that does that, I'm not going to pretend to be a psychologist or anything, but he's not going through a real event in his head. He is going through a rehearsed story that he's been telling for seven years. And you saw Gwenna's face. Um, you know, she's all, Oh my God. And, um, I can't believe he's lying like that. And you know, I, I hate when people I instruct my 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 clients when they're in court, don't make any faces. Just don't do anything. That really pisses. You want to piss off the judge the quickest, start doing that kind of stuff. And so I'm I'm sure that um her her attorneys must have had that conversation with her at some point. But um you can see her her geriatrics, and then this guy's carrying on. I'm just saying. It seems obvious to me why he didn't have any credibility. Just as an attorney, he doesn't have any credibility with me. He's telling me a rehearsed. How many times have you told the story, sir? And um, I would be skeptical. Um, I believe a Paltrow version of events over what this guy is, is trying to sell. But let's continue.
5: Control, And I remember this thinking, okay, you really got to hang on. And then I thought about the crowd on the left, and I thought, I don't know who's wanted over there, and I do not want to get them mixed up in here. And I've heard you know, um, that maybe that's not decided about how my ribs really got hurt. I absolutely lurched with what little I could off of my skis a little bit more to the right to, keep, to make sure nobody over here got involved on my left side. And then it was like the ground's coming up, Nobody in front of me, just me going to the ground, and you're falling far further than 90 degrees like you fall on a floor. You, you, you got that extra. And so it's quite a ways to hit the ground. And I just said, okay, you've got to protect your face, you know, and your head. And that's the last thing I remember. It didn't happen. I did glance over and saw just just out of the corner of my eye. I could see, not glance over, but I could see somebody going by and You know
0: what it reminds me of? There was this guy... I used to work at a company called Batteries Plus in Columbus, Ohio, back in, now, this would have been probably pre-9-11, right around 9-11, in 2000, 2001 some point. But I used to sell batteries. I mean, it was a battery store. I don't even know if it still exists. Uh, But there was this older gentleman that came in, I mean, I would have, I was like, what, 20 years old at the time, 20 years, 19, 19 years old. Uh, but this older gentleman comes in, he reminds me a lot of this guy. And he starts telling me all of these stories that I just don't care about, about his hunting trips and telling me about his kids and his nieces. And he's got this huge fake smile on his face. And he had this really annoying fake laugh that I'm not going to try to replicate. And, um, you know, at the end of it, he's, he's trying to butter me up and then he's like, hey, but you're going to give me a 25% discount, aren't you, sir? Like, no, sir, I am not. Uh, But you had to ask, and he kind of nudges me on the shoulder. This is annoying. This guy reminds me a lot of that guy, which is to say that this guy is a bullshitter. He's a used car salesman. He is a uh, PI attorney. He is, well, he's a PI plaintiff, isn't he? Um, He is selling you a load. And um, I wouldn't believe this guy further than I could throw him. And uh, I would it wouldn't surprise me to know that this guy worked in sales. Uh, but he is putting on a show. He's trying to get you to like him. He's, you know, nothing this guy has said in the course of that 15-minute testimony, to me, is credible. Let's listen to him talk about some of his damages in this case. I thought that that was interesting. He starts talking about... Um, He starts talking about how his relationships change. Uh, Let's see if if he does any better here. Let's give it a listen.
1: Jerry didn't know you before. What kind of relationships did you have with your girls before this crash?
5: My girls are always angels. I'm their protector. Things happen to them, testifying that I heard about, it. it hurts to see them in that place as their protector. I rode home with them and started sobbing, so I get caught up in that.
1: Do you love your girls?
5: Oh my gosh. There's been
1: some discussion about um, your relationship with Jenny and that it's not always optimal. From your perspective, what is your relationship like with Jenny? And how has it been, even before this accident?
5: Yeah, Jenny Jenny and I probably don't communicate as well as I do with my other two daughters. Not probably.
0: Now, so just some background. Um, this guy had, I don't remember if I heard that he had some kind of a substance abuse or he had gotten a divorce or there's some kind of crazy life. There was a number of reasons why his relationships could have went south that have nothing to do uh, with a, a rough and tumble ski accident with Gwyneth Paltrow back in 2016. But he's, he's trying to pass them off those relationships um, in his life as viable damages in this case. Let's continue.
5: Definitely we don't we just have a hard time um, in that process and I will not give up try to push to keep that those lines open but there's been times when there's been long breaches in our conversation and um, yeah I I feel like her protector more than anybody does so it's hard been harder for me to transition from being a parent to being an adult an equal adult I just feel like I need to intervene more on her behalf and help her it's been hard
1: let's talk about Carlene, we
5: heard her testify last week. Um, she's a catch. Why'd you let her go? In my
0: choice, I would have, but... <laughs> This attorney is so corny. Oh my goodness gracious, uh, she is so corny. I, I you know what, I, there's no words.
5: I had to, after eight months, I had to tell her to leave. I said, I'm not asking now I'm telling you, you gotta leave. And
0: I'm looking for actual tears. I,
1: Why'd you tell her to leave?
5: I knew she didn't buy into this. She didn't buy in to me not being the same person and coming, coming into a relationship. And, and I said, I'm not sure I'm going to get to back to normal again. And I don't want you to feel like you're, that I'm a crippled vet and you're going to stick it out with me because I know you would half a brain or whatever. I know you would, but don't do it.
0: Not a single tear. You need your life. His eyes eyes aren't even red.
5: And it was a sad time for both of us, I know. And she's in a great relationship with Bill now. And that was the purpose. And I think better than what I would have brought, honestly. It's hard to admit that, but it's true.
4: Sure. Okay, we'll take a short recess.
0: Thank you. Oh, yay, yay. And now he's going to complain about he can't ski anymore. Let's see what this what, is about. What
1: did, do you remember what you told her during the phone call?
0: Yeah, I
5: had a chance to talk about my symptoms exactly, I think. And, and that I, I, said, I said, you know, as many people that were on that slope that day, maybe a couple hundred within that vicinity, there has to be a, a GoPro um, picture or video if it's a helmet mount they're going to look over just like Craig did, right? And they're going to go catch it. They hear a holler, they're going to catch it. I'm going, I just know there's one out there. we got to find that.
0: Crap. Pause. Oh, I hate this system.
5: is the evidence we need and um, so Terry she misinterpreted
1: did you have a GoPro
5: absolutely I do have one yes but I did not have it on that day
1: do you know of anybody in your ski group that had a GoPro no have you ever seen a GoPro video of this accident?
5: absolutely not no I would have loved to have it it was what we needed
1: Okay. We can take that off. Thank you. Let's talk about your injuries. What injuries, to your understanding, did you sustain in this collision? At this point? Right now. What, right now. What, it, your understanding as to what, what happened, happened to Terry in this collision?
5: At this point I know that I had at least it's, at least four broken ribs um, I su- sustained a concussion um, and um, that's the two main factors I think and then later on I had some right leg and still do right leg and anomalies movement it just has its own idea and thinking where it needs to be opposed to what I'm thinking
1: Let's talk about how your ribs, how your brain injury, how that has affected you.
0: Brain injury.
1: Have things in your life changed?
5: I'm like living another life now.
1: Okay. And let's focus on. We'll kind of go step by step, different different things. Physical wise, how how have you changed physically since the accident?
5: Well. I can't ski anymore. I was told that if I did and had another crash that I could wind up full time, full time in a nursing home. The odds of that's very high.
1: So no more skiing.
5: Well, and I, I tried, I tried not to go back and, and, and I did ski a few more times by myself just to see if I still could. I had this, Ungodly looking fluorescent red outfit. I bought a MIPS helmet to protect my brain better, and I thought I can do this. I really, this is my love and joy. I meet friends. I make friends. I stay with them the whole year. They're, it's a year-round activity, and it's a life, lifelong activity. And so I, I tried, and I felt like I was skiing through landmines. Just ridiculous. Looked ridiculous. All bright fluorescent red. wasn't thinking very well, and then. And then I'd I'd have to stop every 30 yards and look back behind me to make sure no one was right behind me. Saw a reaction. And, um...
0: um. All right, already. So, there's that guy. And, um... Ultimately, the jury found that uh, for whatever happened, um, the jury was given two different versions of the same event. And they decided that um, that gentleman... Was 100% liable um, or at fault for whatever had it was that happened, and Gwyneth Paltrow was awarded one dollar. Um, let's take a listen to her attorney. I wanted to get a feel for well, him,
2: folks. We didn't even know each other two weeks ago, and here we are. Thank you.
0: Him at closing argument.
2: Uh, it's a beautiful thing. I think that we resolve disputes in our country in this way, just like law. Long- okay. So she sat there for two weeks and been punching bag. We've blown through a lot of these cute little uh, post-it notes where she's sending me stuff. But I take it very seriously because she's comfortable in a lot of worlds I'm not comfortable in, but she is not comfortable in this world. It is not a nice thing for someone to throw a press conference and say, like King Kong, you knocked her, out, knocked him out and walked away, <coughs> skied away. That is not what happened. And the court has actually dismissed the, the idea, and that's one of your jury instructions, that this was a hit and run. That took no small amount of work, by the way. But that is what she was faced with. It takes a lot of courage, does it not, for her to sit there for two weeks and be pounded like a punching bag. What did she lose? Did she lose, oh, that's too bad, you had to come in early and have a massage. No, this is what she lost. She was in love with Brad Falchuk, dated for two years. They both had, very interesting, I think, nine-year-old sons and 11-year-old daughters. It's kind of cool. And they said, how are we going to get these guys together in a loving, uh, fun time? They're very busy, where we can kind of all be together for a couple days and see if this will work, if we can blend our families together. We're going to be- make it relaxed. We're going to put a lot of planning. She put a lot of planning into that trip. And so here they are, it's a little delicate, because anyone who's been through like trying to blend families, it's a delicate thing. So what happened? They got there, they're organized, first day of skiing, they have ski instructors. By the way, I thought it was cool, I don't know if you did, her dad taught her to ski at Alta, and she has tender feelings about that. She's been cheerful with me in describing those ski trips with her dad because her dad died in his 50s. In fact, it was so painful she didn't ski for a long time after that because she would miss her dad. But when her kids were of this age and we're talking with Brad, Brad was a big skier. We didn't get to hear from him, unfortunately, lack of time. But they were gonna come, okay, let's get our kids together. So what did they lose? They lost a half day of bonding and even more, because now everyone's stressed. Give me
0: a break.
2: That was the day when they bond up, going up the ski All
0: right, I can't take it. I can't take it with these people. They lost a half day of bonding, the savagery, the humanity. I don't even know what to say to that. Um, say that your client wasn't at fault, buddy. I mean, obviously, it worked out for him. So what do I know? I don't know anything. I'm just a, I'm just a guy. I'm just saying that... Um, uh, this is why I don't do... A, you know, I, I had no interest in this trial. You guys were on a ski vacation at a ski resort. You guys got into some kind of collision. Been chasing away around Gwyneth Paltrow for seven years because he thought that you were going to be rich. I mean, it came out in crowd. I'm not going to go through the whole... Uh, cross-examination of him uh, being discovered to be, oh, yeah, I'm famous, you know, because he's suing Gwyneth Paltrow while he's, all the meanwhile he's on the stand saying, oh, this wasn't about money. This wasn't about the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow was famous and then they showed his text messages to his daughter where 100% was about that. It was 100% about the money and the celebrity. Um, You know, it's a... how, how do you characterize a trial like that? I think, you know, after all that, we should at the very least listen to the verdict, shouldn't we? Let's listen to the verdict.
4: For the record, uh, the jury is now in the courtroom and the parties are present with their attorneys. Uh, would the four person that the jury has selected please stand and state your number?
6: Signed March uh,
4: 19, number 28. Is it?
0: Sorry about then.
4: Thank you. We'll now have the clerk read the verdict. You can just read the question
6: okay. Was Gwyneth Paltrow at fault? No. Was Gwyneth Paltrow's fault a cause of Terry Sanderson's harm? Oh,
4: no. There's just no response there.
6: Okay. Was Terry Sanderson at fault? Yes. Was Terry Sanderson's fault a cause Gwyneth Paltrow's, did did Terry Sanderson's fault cause Gwyneth Paltrow's harm? Yes. Comparative fault, what percent of the fault do you assign to Terry Sanderson? 100 percent. Damages, what amount fairly compensates Gwyneth Paltrow for economic damages? $1 One dollar. Nice. Signed, March
4: thirtieth, two thousand twenty-three. Thank you. So, to to juror number nineteen, the poor person, is this your verdict? Yes, sir. Thank you. And the attorneys have asked that I poll the jury, and I, so I need to ask each one of you if this is your verdict. This is not an unusual thing.
0: They all said that was their verdict. I'll spare you guys the. Uh... The uh, anticipation, um, the anticlimactic polling of the jury. Uh, so yeah, that is that was Gwyneth Paltrow. So for whatever you think about that, um, it was our car- a, a it was a cartoonish trial because of the added variables of uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's immense celebrity. Um, you had who probably—I bet you he probably could have been a character actor. He was—he um, liked to tell stories. He—it would not surprise me to know that that guy was like, a, I don't know, a high school teacher or something, a college professor, a, a car salesman, you know, insurance salesman, whatever. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was a, some kind of an attorney. He's just one of those guys that just likes to weasel his way into things to get you to do things for him. Um, not— Typically, the kind of guy that, uh, who's going to be the most interesting. He's just going to be the, the weasliest, slimiest of the group. You know what I mean? Um, the guy you're trying to avoid at the bar, uh, because you know he's going to come up to you and just start talking your ear off about stuff that you just don't want to talk about. And, but here he comes, like, ah, shit. He's one of those guys. But, um, you know, there's room for him too. So, you know, a lot of attorneys, they, uh, sometimes I'm not really sure how to critique these videos because you have, you know, there's, there's lots of lawyer YouTubers out there and I have invariably become one of those YouTube, um, YouTubers, (laughs) those YouTube YouTubers, uh, those lawyer YouTubers, um, There are some that are out there, and they'll go straight, oh, this is the criminal complaint, and this is what it says, and according to the Civil Code, 556.37, and this is, and they explain the whole thing, and, you know, there's people that are in there for that. And then there are others that do it like it's a a news report. For me, I'm just, look, I'm just a guy. I'm an attorney. I bring it from my attorney perspective, from a human perspective. That's really what I try to do. I don't try to BS anybody. I don't try to, uh, uh, you know, Enrapture you with uh, my legal intellect. That's not what this is about. We're all people. We're all sitting around just having a drink, having a whiskey, having a cigar, and talking about the uh, oddities of uh, trial life, of legal life, and uh, what to make of it all. And what to make of Gwyneth Paltrow? I'm not sure. I liked her movies when I was a kid. I don't know much about anything else other than she was in those two movies that I could recall her being in. I'm pretty, I don't, I, I don't recall any other movies that I've ever watched that she was in, but I know she, I'm sure she's been in a bunch. I just don't recall. I know that she's been held out as this A-lister for a long time. Um, And this, uh, this plaintiff, um, this lawsuit, it's the kind of lawsuit that I absolutely despise. You guys were at a ski resort. You guys crashed into each other. You guys both walked in, uh, walked away from it with your lives. You know, you had to go to the doctors. You had to get stitched up, you know, I'm sure injuries on both sides, everybody was patched up. Why don't we just all move on? Instead, it became this seven-year endeavor for this guy to use her as his retirement plan. And it backfired. Gwyneth Palcho was made one dollar richer by way of her victory in this case. I wonder if he actually pays that dollar. I don't know. I don't know. I guess that remains to be seen. Um, but that is life, and that's what happens. Um, You know, there's a lot of cases like that. I personally don't take on those kinds of cases. I understand why attorneys bring those kinds of lawsuits. There was once an attorney that I knew way back in the day uh, that would go around um, and have his, he's actually in jail now. Um, But when I was working at the law firm that I used to work at, uh, my boss was being sued by this particular guy. And I got to uh, defend my boss in her lawsuit uh, against this guy who's bringing a lawsuit against her. And um, what he would do, and then that the lawsuit is my boss had nothing to do with why he's in jail. The reason he was in jail is because him and his wife came up with a scheme to go into hair shops, hair salons, and have his wife become a customer. And um, they would obtain services from this place. And uh, at the conclusion of service, they would say that his wife was discriminated against on the basis of her race or her gender and charged an unfair amount or whatever. Um, completely bogus lawsuits. And he would just do them by, literally, by the dozens. And he would sue them for ridiculous amounts of money. Two, three, four million dollars. And you're talking about small businesses just trying to make enough to to pay the bills. And then he would say, "All right, look, I won't co- I won't go after you for the 4 million dollars, but I will settle right now. I'll go away, but you got to write me a check for 50 grand." And his wife was the plaintiff. And so, you could see you could see the, the the conspiracy. He did that enough times where it caught the uh the ire of the district attorney in the county where it happened. And um he's currently sitting in a jail cell uh, where he belongs. I met that guy once. Well, I met him a couple of times in court on different cases. Um I met him at a uh at a deposition that we did for my boss. And uh he was a, a slimy weasley kind of guy just going around trying to extort people for money. I'm not saying that, I'm not even saying that most plaintiff attorneys are of the same mind, but, you know, sometimes these lawsuits, they're, they're really stretching and looking for these paydays. And it's the reason why people hate attorneys. And really that category of attorneys, it literally makes up probably, I don't know, 10% of the profession. Most people that I know that are attorneys, they're literally in it for, they're not getting paid, you know, plaintiff attorney money. They're, they're working for the DA. Um, they're working, they're doing family law. They're, they're doing other stuff. They're, they're doing, you know, they're not shaking down um, people on these civil cases and trying to extort money out of people. I'm not saying that in the Paltrow case, that this guy's trying to extort Gwyneth Paltrow, but that's kind of what I'm saying based on everything that he showed in his story that I saw today in those clips that we watched. I don't know. Maybe he did really break his ribs. I don't know whose fault it was. It just seems like they ran into each other at a ski resort. And they both got up and, you know, whatever, they were patched up. They should have moved on. He should have moved on. But to chase this for for, for seven years? How much do you think he's aged in the course from 2016 to 2023 um, in the one chance that he was going to get his big payday, you know? And after after the trial, I heard comments that he had made to um, different media outlets talking about how now he's going to go down as the guy that sued Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, but I think you knew that, and I think you knew that uh, back in 2016 when you decided to uh, bring the case. I think the difference is uh, you had this expectation that you were going to get a seven-figure settlement or uh, judgment, and, well, it didn't work out. But, you know, maybe now he could go start his— Reality TV career, if that's what he wants to do. It's a crazy world that we live in, uh, but that is how it is. Um, Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is about that time where I am going to bid you adieu. Um, It's been a crazy week. And, you know, this whole week it started with, uh, I had a couple of trials that I was preparing for. I wasn't even sure if I was going to do a show, honestly, this week because I was wrapped up in trial prep. Um, and then I ended up getting sick. I have a, a two and a three year old at home. Oh, she's not even three anymore; she's four. I have a four year old and a two year old and a wife at home, and they were all sick with the flu. And I f- I fought it off for as long as I can, a couple of weeks, and um, I finally caught it um, this week. And it was, it was so bad I couldn't even go into court. I missed. I didn't miss a court appearance. I had to appear telephonically and tell the judge I'm. I'm really sorry, but I don't think anybody wants me there coughing and sneezing and carrying on um, all over everybody in this courtroom for the next four and a half hours um, and the judge is really appreciative that I decided not to come in and she grants me a continuance on my case that day and I had another uh, scheduled hearing the morning after and you know my voice I'm actually really surprised I'm even able to talk right now uh, because yesterday it was not that way the day before it was really bad I sounded really bad I sound bad now but at least I could reasonably speak. Yesterday, the day before, I was a wreck. Um, but I'm all better. I'm all better. I'm fine. Um, for the rest of you that have watched this episode or listened to this episode all the way through, I sincerely thank you. We are a small and growing YouTube community of uh, legal uh, people that we, 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 we take interest in these true crime, uh, these life stories, Uh, These real life dramas then fold in the four walls of trials and uh, we break them down and we analyze them and we are a community unto itself and to every single one of you have had the opportunity to uh, communicate with a couple of you that send me messages on Instagram and on uh, Facebook and the other ways that you guys find me it's funny I didn't really uh, check any of my messages and then I'll go in and I'll log on to Facebook, which is like ancient now, nowadays, isn't it? Like, isn't Facebook kind of going away? And then there's this, uh, message from a lady and she messages me, Hey, I loved your show and I watched it. Um, and you know, she wanted me to get more non-lawyers in on the show, which I thought was a really good idea. And so we were doing that uh, for a period of time, um, when we were going live, uh, during the Murdoch trial, I think we should start doing that again, uh, to get some more, uh, audience participation. It's always a good thing. And uh, maybe we'll do that this week or next week. Um, I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided, but we'll see. Um, at any rate for all of you, go home and uh, please stay safe, lock your doors, cherish the time that you have with your families. Cause you never know what's going to happen in this crazy world. Hug your children, hug your spouse. Um, just, just, But by all means, be safe, and uh, we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening to the entire podcast. We really do appreciate that. And as always, you can find us on YouTube on the Tilted Lawyer Podcast YouTube channel or on your podcast carrier of choice. If you feel we've presented anything of value, please leave a five-star rating, like, and subscribe. We always appreciate that kind of thing. And we do look forward to seeing you all again live every Thursday at 3 in the afternoon. We love you all. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening to the entire podcast.